Coming up on Chasing the Natty, we're continuing Dynasty Month, and today we brought on Ethan Sowers and Justice from our Campus to Canton CFF team to break down some supplemental players that you could be targeting in your Dynasty Leagues. All this and more coming right after this. Caleb Williams dancing, cutting, mesmerizing run by the quarterback. Marvin Harrison, junior touchdown. Marvelous Mark. This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. So welcome to Chasing the Natty. I'm Justice. We have Ethan here today. No, uh, no Jared. He's got some personal business to take care of, so we're stepping up and taking care of this week. How you doing, Ethan? Doing well, man. Uh, you know, it's Mother's Day weekend and trying to squeeze some time in for a little bit of college fantasy talk. So definitely excited to to join you and talk about some uh, some supplemental targets here, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, as soon as we're done, I think we're doing our Mother's Day this evening, taking taking my wife and my mother-in-law out to dinner. So try, try and avoid the rush of tomorrow, but maybe absolutely. they'll be yeah. pretty busy. We did we did brunch with my mom this morning and taking care of my my wife's mom's family this evening and then tomorrow's all about my wife and, and celebrating her day so excited for it. So happy Mother's Day to all, right? And uh, and uh, all you all you dads out there, make sure you fathers make sure you show appreciation for your mothers and your wives. Absolutely, it's a it's a day late if you're listening to this on Monday, but uh, yeah. flowers yeah, flowers anytime is always a good idea. That's so. Right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, before we get started, just a couple, uh, I kind of want to do Jared's, I guess, spiel here, I guess. If you, if you want to support uh, what we're doing here for college fantasy football, make sure you go over and subscribe to the campus at campuscanton.com where you'll find all our written content, tools, guides, everything you need for your CFFs, CSC, and Debbie fantasy needs. IDP is there as well. Um, and we got plenty of more things coming your way. The Devi guide uh, just dropped the first of this month. Uh, I know Ethan, myself, and all the other folks on the CFF team are are actively and rapidly working on the CFF guide. Uh, we're currently doing the team previews, and I think the plan for that is to drop June 1st. So uh, definitely that's something that you want to get for your CFF leagues. Uh, make sure you follow Jared and the show on Twitter at CFF Jared um, at Chasing the Natty. Um, you can find me at Justice underscore two three one eight. Ethan. Yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter as well at, at Ethan Sowers. So um, having extra fun filling out that uh, that Debbie guide is where that not the Debbie guide, but the, the CFF guide as well. That's been a lot of fun and flying through that. I know, I know all all of the guys over there have been. Working their butts off with that, but yeah, I think uh, we're almost to a hundred of the team previews done. So we don't. Yeah, have... yeah, crazy. So uh, I think Fourth of July weekend is is the target on that one. So we'll we'll have that out and ready for everybody. I know. Uh, probably the, the thing that's taken the most time for me is I've tried to um, contact fans. Like uh, I'll find message boards or Twitter yeah. accounts and kind of have them vet 
um, the depth charts that I that I come up with. Yeah. Um, sometimes I get response. Sometimes I don't. You know. But, yeah. You know, I I did I did try to try to get the most accurate depth chart I could. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's some real sicko sicko mode uh, business when you're combing through you know G five offensive line depth charts to try and find out who's starting yeah. and yeah. and who's returning. So we're uh, we're putting in that that hard work so that everybody else doesn't have to, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, and definitely got to shout out uh, uh, Nick at CFB Winning Edge, right? Absolutely. Because his, his tools are phenomenal yeah. and helping to be able to figure out, especially like you said, the offensive line depth chart there. Yeah, I I try and do a comb through before I check his uh, his depth depth chart to make sure we come up with the same thing. If we're yeah. both if we both come out the same side, then I'm 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 cool with it. <laughs> I, I do the same thing. Like I'll, I'll come up yeah. with my own, and then I'll go look at his information and see like, hey, if I wasn't able to figure it out, I'll use his or or see totally. where where we're uh, you know where we don't match up. Yeah. Um, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe uh, on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. Jared has a goal of re- reaching a thousand subscribers by the start of the season. So please help reach that goal. Um, and on podcast form, wherever you can leave a review, uh, please leave those five star reviews. That would be awesome. Um, and finally, before we get started, shout out to the CFF team over at Campus to Canton uh, Jared Palmgren, Nate Marquise, Chris K., Brandon Sanders, Chris Moxley, Ethan Sowers, Justin Volume Pigs, and myself, Justice. So before we get started um, in the main topic today with supplemental players, uh, we wanted to talk about Aronde Gadsden, who yeah. recently got uh, tight end position eligibility on fan tracks. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Evan? You know, I am bummed that I don't have him in more spots already. Um, I'm a big, big C to C player, so in you know probably thirty leagues on on campus to Canton league, so. Uh, I don't have him in, in nearly enough spots, but the ones I do, I am uh, loving because, you know, you've essentially got a tight end, in my opinion, tight end one, tight end two right there with Brock Bowers. Yeah. So uh, a lot a lot cheaper than, than you would have bought Brock Bowers for last year, too. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely a game changer and uh, how your your commissioner in your league handles position changes and position eligibility mm-hmm. is going to be another hot topic you know i'd say this is much more impactful than uh, cj donaldson last year yeah um most of my leagues just kind of go with what fan tracks does because that's just kind of the easiest thing and like i can't blame yeah. the commissioner for doing that because they have to do so much other work that uh that certainly makes sense um yeah and so in that case gadson's going to be a tight end and, uh, and and you alluded to you know how, how we would have him ranked i haven't updated my ranking since we did the summit because they were locked for a period of time. Um, yeah. so that's something I need to work on the next the next week or so. But um, I, I think Gadsden would be tight end one for me. And and the reason why I say that is I just feel like this sounds weird to say, but he feels like a little bit safer than Brock Bowers. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I agree. Yeah. And and, and, and so I, I think he, w- he would be my tight end one in a, in a tight end required league for sure. Yeah. And I mean, we're – we're kind of taking advantage of the fact that Jared's not here to, uh, to, to brag on the dogs a little bit here, but you know, I, I, I agree with you. I think he is a safer pick. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's not an artificial change either. He, he does line up as a tight end, as a, a split tight end, uh, very frequently. Um, and you know, Robert and I know he's, he's gone, but, uh, 
he was working with tight ends and, and had that sweet spot with tight ends. I assume, you know, having his, uh, his internal replacement um, being very much in a similar mind. I think that, you know, Gadsden being there is just mismatch central. And I think you've got a wide receiver one as a tight end and why not go with it? And why not, why not uh, lock those, those numbers into your tight end spot? Absolutely. I mean, he, uh, I think, I think the, you know, he is listed as a tight end on the Syracuse actual official roster. Yeah. And so unless he changes there, I don't see fan tracks going back and changing it. Yeah. Now, some people have said that he was listed as a tight end on the roster last year. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not. Um, yeah. I, I would tend, my gut tells me if it was true that people would have been complaining last year that he wasn't listed as a tight end. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I'm a little skeptical if he was actually listed as a tight end on the 2022 roster. And I haven't, yeah. and their, their 2022 roster might still be on, on their website. I don't know. I haven't went back yeah. and looked um, to check it that. Probably is. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I know that would have been something that I would have paid a little bit closer attention to if I, uh, if I saw that, um, you know, he had some tight end eligibility. So I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure there, but. It's definitely the new reality and the reality that you've got to you've got to adjust to with uh, with these CFF rosters because uh, I mean that's a potentially league altering shift. Yes, um, yes. With, with that, and and if your league mates aren't paying attention, you know, it kind of gets to our next point is where to draft him. Yeah, you you probably can get him a little bit later, right? Because you know, people are going to be on like the Brock Bowers, the the Keithy. The Jatavian Sanders, yeah, uh, probably sure. perched, you know, yeah. And I mean, as long as it's not a a tight end premium league, or I know there are a few of those uh, those tight end premium two tight end leagues where everybody pays ultra close attention to those tight ends and they they work their way up the uh, the draft board much sooner than than later. Um, I mean, I'm probably still going to be looking at him, you know. I, I wouldn't hesitate pulling the trigger in the second if he's there at the end of the second. Uh, you know, I don't think you necessarily need to. Uh, if you want to live a little dangerously and let him drop a little bit further, you can definitely try that out. But I have zero hesitation drafting him where I'd be drafting Brock Bowers. And I know in in most leagues, if, if you've got – I know Moxley is a big, uh, big tight end early fan. So if you're in a league with Moxley, you might have to pull the trigger a little sooner. But, you know – Second round is no hesitation on, on Gadsden. Yeah, to your point, like you said, you, you really have to know your league and who your league mates are. Yeah. And, you know, if you have some sharks or sharp, you know, sharp people in your league that that uh, listen to this podcast or, or pay attention on Twitter that know Gadsden's a tight end, then they're probably going to, you know, take them a little earlier. Um, I agree with you. I, I would I would have no problem taking Gadsden where most people are taking Bowers in a tight end required league. Yeah. Um, and I'd feel better about it because, like we said before, it just feels like a much safer pick than Bowers. Like, I personally would not – I don't think I would take Bowers as high as he is going, but yeah. I wouldn't have a problem taking Gadsden as high as Bowers is going. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 definitely just roster construction preference on if you're taking a tight end that early. But the ability now to have, you know, a few different options there, and it's – before it was, you know, is, is, Bra- is Bowers off the board? Okay, well, I'm going to wait a little bit on a tight end. But you've got that second option. Now you have a little bit more flexibility in your roster constructions. Uh, so definitely worth looking into. And, and you know, if you're not as familiar with his game, definitely worth checking out because he's he's fun to watch. 
it adds it adds another uh tight end in that i don't know tier zero tier one whatever you want yeah, to call it for sure uh, him and bowers and then you kind of have a another tier with kuthi and sanders and then i think everyone else is kind of after that so yeah all right so we'll move on to the uh the main topic for today and that is supplemental players in your dynasty league so these players met uh, the following two criteria and how that we selected them. Uh, number one, they were outside the top 500 players owned at the end of 2022. And they had to be available in at least, I'm assuming this is Jared, at least one of Jared's yeah. dynasty leagues. Um, yeah. And I'm in, I know I'm in at least two dynasty leagues with Jared and uh, I'm in quite a few dynasty leagues as well. And, I would say the majority of these guys are available. I can't think of a the only one that I would say that might not be, at least in the leagues I'm in, is probably Bert Emanuel Jr. But but yeah, the other he, he came but, on last year. But the other guys are pretty much available in all the leagues. So we'll yeah. uh, we'll jump right in here to the quarterbacks. The mm-hmm. uh, first quarterback is Shadur Sanders, which he should be available in every league, right? Because yeah. He's a, he's a move up from the FCS, following his dad up to Colorado from Jackson State. So what do you think about Shadur? Yeah, I was, you know, I've, I've been hesitating to buy into any of the Colorado buzz um, with, with primetime, Coach Prime over there. Um, but, you know, the, the more I dug into Shador and his, his numbers from last year, you can see, I mean, he... Uh, for those listening and not not watching the uh, the slideshow here, you know, 341 completions on 483 attempts at the FCS level, thrown for 30, 3,700 yards and 40 touchdowns. Uh, I mean, it's it's impressive what he was able to do, you know, at Jackson State. So um, I'm probably fading him at cost. Um, I struggle to bring myself around on just so many unknowns. You know, he's, for one, he's got to step up to the the jump up in competition, but he's also got a supporting cast that is just a flurry of questions around him. Um, You know, they've got a great wide receiver room. Their wide receiver room is, I'd say, you know, one of the best uh, or one of the more crowded rooms, you know, in, in P5. Um, whether or not these are guys that are going to be able to separate themselves and really have strong performances um, is going to be another thing. And, uh, you know, I question that, that Colorado offensive line, but the, the thing that is his bright spot and, and what I think is what makes him worth considering at price is the fact that he's likely going to be in so many shootouts. He's going to be playing from behind a whole bunch. Um, and, I mean, he's not a zero with his legs either. You can see the 85 rushing attempts, 173 yards for six touchdowns last year. Um, I don't think he's going to be as uh, as lucrative as he was at the FCS level, as prolific. Um, but, I mean, it's it's upside. He's, he's this year's Cam Ward in that sense. He's got a lot of questions around him, but if he shows up in a way that a lot of people think he can, um, then sky's the limit for him for sure. Yeah, I think I think the positives for him, like you said, are you know simply volume. Um, he's going to be featured, right? He's the, he's the coach's son. Um, he's he's. I mean, they don't have much behind him. They don't have you know a, a established running back um, behind him yet. Um, 
he's definitely going to be featured in this offense. And, and Colorado, like like you said, is bad. They they aren't good. Um, yeah. The defense is horrendous. Um, yeah. I don't know about the offensive line. I, I think you know they do have they do have um, some uh, players at receiver that um, you know with Travis Hunter playing both ways, uh, Jimmy yeah. Horn, Xavier Weaver. Um, so I think they have some uh, some weapons in the receiving game. Uh, running back, they have Dylan Edwards. Um, I know they seem to be always actively uh, trying to find someone else. Um, so McCaskill help, getting floated out there a bit to help that room out, right? And so, yep. but yeah, I think I think the positive for Shadur is, is volume and the like you said the fact that you know he's going to be having having to pass a lot because they're going to be behind. Um, I don't really see that defense stopping anyone. It's um, it's really funny too. I I see a lot of similarities with the way Colorado's offense is set up this year, and what we expected out of Colorado State last year. Um, you know, with that Norvell system moving to Colorado State, I, so many people were expecting Clay Millen to just take off. Now Clay Millen, totally different quarterback than Chador, doesn't have the the mobility. But the the thing that sunk that ship just so so quickly last year was. Colorado State's uh, lack of offensive line and the fact that they just couldn't protect Clay Millen. I'm really interested to see, you know, if if that same problem arises uh, in Boulder for the Buffalo, um, you know, does the mobility that Sanders has, is that enough to um, get a different outcome and, and, and yield a different result? I, I think there's a chance that it does. Um, Sanders' play out of structure is – like I said, much different ball game than, than Clay Millen's. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I haven't, I haven't been in a draft yet. I've only been in an auction draft so far this year and Shadur has gone, um, for my taste a little high. Yeah. Um, absolutely. and so I, I haven't really been in on him, but I haven't been like in a traditional draft. My guess is he's probably going around, around 10 ish somewhere around there. I don't, I don't have, Jared has the ADP. I don't have all that stuff in front of me, but uh, yeah, that's just I've, kind of a guess on my part. I've done a few uh, C to C supplementals already this year, and from from what I've seen, you know, round six, round seven, even we're getting guys who are really just buying into that Colorado hype train. Once once the top uh, top freshmen, obviously C two C a lot different than uh, than a CFF dynasty, but once those top freshmen are gone, he's he's there. So if you're in a CFF dynasty. Uh, you know, a supplemental draft there, I could see him going, you know, round two or three if these guys are, are super, super high on him. Yeah, absolutely. And a supplemental, right, that's just going to push him up because yeah. the player pool is so much more limited. When I was saying 10 round, I was more thinking, I guess, for redraft. Yeah, um, yeah. Kind of sure. where I was thinking he probably is. But, yeah, absolutely. A supplemental, he's probably going, like you said, in the, in the middle rounds there. Um, maybe yeah. even higher, like, you know, if, if it's a two or three quarterback league. Yeah. All right, so next, uh, next we're going to move to Ethan's favorite. Oh, Malik Hornsby man. at Texas State had some big I've, news yesterday. I've been told you've been you've been given the uh, the 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 challenging task to try and reel me back in with my well uh, my I, Hornsby takes. Until the news yesterday, I, I probably wouldn't have been the best choice to, to rein <laughs> you in. Yeah. Um, but with with the news of TJ Finley um, moving or. or committing to Texas state that does concern me. I don't yeah. know that he's a bet. I don't know that he's a better quarterback than Malik Hornsby, but the fact that the staff 
felt they needed to bring him in is what concerns me. I totally get that. I, you know, uh, I am full on, you know, hashtag praise be to Hornsby on, uh, on Twitter this year. He's, he's my guy. If I'm, if I'm looking at a, my guy this year, Malik Hornsby definitely fits the bill. Um, you know, the, the TJ Finley news, you know, I saw Chris K tweeting about it and how, when you look at their stats and you look at, you know, their, their pedigree coming from, you know, both coming from power five conferences, um, both have similar completion percentages, uh, over their career. Um, but the big differentiator for me is, you know, Malik Hornsby was competing against an incumbent KJ Jefferson that was already established in that Arkansas system. Um, and it was going to be a, a huge task for him to be able to overcome uh, KJ Jefferson and, and KJ sticking around, you know, um, Hornsby didn't want to, obviously didn't want to wait on the sidelines for that, but um, going ahead and, and flipping that to TJ Finley. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was run out of time by Max Johnson and Peyton Thorne. Um, these are, are not guys who should really have any legitimate quarterback transferring to another, another place. But, you know, I get the fact the staff wanted to bring in somebody else, but in the days of the port, the transfer portal, you know, not only do you need to make sure you have somebody stylistically who can be a plug and play should Hornsby go down, especially if you're running the ball with a quarterback so often you worry about durability. Um, but you also need somebody who, if Hornsby plays the way that we expect him to play, there is really no reason why he couldn't go and transfer again to a power five school who is able to see him now that he's given the reins to an offense and uh, able to develop solely as a, a, a quarterback and not being tried out as a wide receiver like he was at Arkansas last year. Um, so I, I'm not scared off by the, um, the Finley transfer at all. Um, but man, Hornsby in that, that uh, Kinney offense is just so tantalizing um, with what Kinney was able to do uh, at the, um, at the FCS level and able to produce the numbers, um, with, uh, I, I think Lindsay was his quarterback, uh, uh, at the, the lower level. So, um, able to get him the Walter Payton award, which is essentially the FCS Heisman. Um, I think he knows exactly how he wants to use Hornsby. I think he wants to rely more on the legs because he knows this might not be as, reliable as a drop pack and hit your man offense. I think he saw this struggle from going from incarnate ward to the FBS level um, with the cam ward experiment last year. Um, but something that's really interesting too, with Hornsby and this whole Texas state offense um, is that he essentially poached the entire incarnate ward uh, offensive line to yeah. come with him to Texas state. Something I've never seen before, literally five guys <laughs> from incarnate ward transferring up to the next level to be that that offensive line at Texas State. Um, he definitely, he knows what he's doing. He's got the plan. The fact that he made such a strong push for Hornsby early on, and the fact that he was also able to convince Ashton Hawkins, Texas State's best wide receiver, that, he, that they were going to be throwing the ball and they were going to be a prol prolific offense. He was able to convince him to come back from the portal uh, after his hiring. And I, I think that's all because of, uh, you know, Malik Hornsby being there and Hornsby having the extra time in the system with spring ball. You know, I, 
I, I'm gushing over here, but I I just love Hornsby's fit in this offense, and I think he is an absolute bold gold star. Do whatever you need to do to prioritize him in your supplemental this year. The the thing that I guess concerns me also, in addition to the staff bringing Finley, is I just feel like Finley and Hornsby are kind of two different quarterbacks. I feel like Hornsby is obviously much more athletic, the way better runner. Um, but I do think that Finley might be a better passer than, than Hornsby. Um, and so I know that sounds weird to say, cause I don't think Finley is that great either, but yeah. <laughs> um, so th- that, that part, that part, you know, just, I don't know. It yeah. worries me a little bit. I think, I think Hornsby is in my opinion, like ultimate boom bust. Um, I get that. And, he is. He and, is. and I was, I was a little concerned about that boom bust potential before Finley. And now with Finley in the mix, it just kind of, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like, um, again, I've not been um, in a regular draft to see where Hornsby is going. Um, if I can get him late enough, absolutely. I'm in. Um, he's, he's going unreasonably high, even for me. Yeah. And that's what I've experienced in the, in the, you know, I've only been a part of auctions so far and, mm-hmm. You know, people are spending a hundred dollars plus on an auction for him. You know, and and that's just yeah. I don't. I just it's a little bit rich for my blood. You know. Yeah, I, I um, think I think you bring up a really good point too about talking about um, you know the difference between you know an auction um, or you know startup cost versus him being available in the supplemental um, because in I've I've done probably three or four startups this this off season so far. And Hornsby has escaped me in all but one of them um, because there's at least, there's just one more guy in that league that likes him just a little bit more than I do. Yeah. You know, I'll be, I'll be willing to pull the trigger maybe, you know, round eight. And that's, that's pretty, pretty lofty with a, a you know, a, yeah. going with a quarterback in a startup. Yep. Um, but at the same time, if you're in a supplemental league now, or if you're doing a supplemental draft, um, you're not necessarily starving for that consistency and that making sure that you you have a solid floor with such a high pick. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of strategy talk to be concerned with swinging for the fences in your supplemental drafts, um, especially if you. Um, assuming it's not an orphan team that you're taking over and that it's a team that you've constructed and built well, um, you know, you should have a little bit of consistency and you have ample time to go and get some floor options later on in supplemental drafts. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking myself into Hornsby a little bit earlier, even in my supplementals now. So, I mean, he hoping... definitely, if, if he hits, he's going to hit, and he's going to be a league winner. Right. Um... Yeah. And the fact that, I mean, how much we loved him, uh, you know, from pure speculation back at Arkansas just a year ago. I mean, people were talking about, man, well, if KJ falters or if he's injured, Hornsby's athleticism alone is enough to make him a viable option in the SEC, like full stop. And now he's at Texas state. Like, what are we, what are we doing? He's, I mean, he can make guys look silly out there um, at, at, in the Sunbelt conference. And I'm, you know, I, I, and like I said, I'm prioritizing him top of the list as somebody to consider in uh, in supplemental drafts. Absolutely. All right, so we'll move on to another quarterback who I feel like 
has just as much potential, and you're yeah. probably getting them way later than Millie Cornsby. Yeah. Um, and that's Bert Emanuel Jr. I, th- I think the biggest question mark with him is who's going to win the job? Is it Jace Bauer or Bert Emanuel Jr.? And yeah. to me, like both of them, you're getting getting them so late in drafts and. Um, once you know, once we get word of who the actual starter is going to be, like, I think the sky's the limit for them for CFF. Um, you know, I know Bert Emanuel seems to get more of um, the fanfare, so to speak. But yeah. Jace, Jace Bauer, uh, he, he put up good rushing numbers too when he was able to uh, when he played last year. And Bauer's yeah. probably Bauer's the better passer as well. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know that it's a foregone conclusion that most, you know, I think most people think Emmanuel is going to win the job, but, um, and I think both of these guys are available, you know, in most leagues. Yeah. I think it's really interesting the way central Michigan is uh, positioned this year. You know, obviously they're replacing Lou Nichols um, and that offense has a lot of, um, a lot of questions around them and, and what kind of an offense they're going to set up. Um I remember, uh, I think it was Nate Marquise who was on on, on this this very show uh, earlier in the year talking about, you know, the upside with Emmanuel is there and his rushing ability is so good that there's even talk about him getting some play at running back if he doesn't win the job. Yeah, um, that makes sense for sure, right? Yeah, and I mean, he's just so prolific and, and just the same way we were gushing about Hornsby, we should be doing the same for Bert Emanuel and, and the fact that you can get him cheaper, like you said, is um, just a slam dunk. Uh, he is, um, you know, very similar. I'm on record. My, my two guys on that I will stand on Twitter for years to come, Malik Hornsby and uh, Kyle Kelly, Kyle Kelly from uh, Ball State. Um, and I think Bert Emanuel Jr. is just Kyle Kelly plus, to be honest. I think he's, um, got a, you know, more athleticism than Kelly does. And he's got a little bit, probably a, a little bit more um, likelihood of ending up with that starting job um, with, uh, with Hatcher being at uh, at ball state for Kelly to compete with. I think that that's an uphill battle for him, uh, even though I am just such a big fan of his game, but Emmanuel junior easily um, league winning upside Um late in the, the year when Maction starts. And, you know, the thing that everybody kind of forgets, of, I think, in, in Maction competition is that it, it starts to get cold earlier up in uh, up in the MAC. Um, and you've got these Tuesday, Wednesday night games in snow and frosty conditions where, the I mean, it's just easier to run the ball and coaches want to run the ball more. Um, so I think given that and given his, his just – screaming upside with his legs um he's somebody who even if he doesn't win the job they're going to be giving packages for him to to get the ball in his hands and and i think you know to your point if he doesn't win the job i think he's going late enough in drafts that if i'm drafting him i'm going to draft bauer too right you should you're able to get them both so late that it it makes that that, that's i mean it just seems like a no-brainer to to draft them both and then you know after the first couple weeks you, you, you you know you'll be able to drop one of them um, yeah. and move on but i would absolutely draft both of them at you know secure that secure that position because whoever ends up being him uh bauer or emmanuel i think you're getting a a great cff quarterback at a super bargain right now 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious to see, I mean, we always talk, we talk about this with all the quarterbacks that I've just mentioned with Hornsby, with Kelly, with Emmanuel, we, we always talk about their legs, but you know, these guys are in a quarterback battle where they're getting very closely monitored and very finely tuned reps um, to help with their development as a passer as well. Um, but I think that, you know, the competition that, that they're dealing with is a great thing because it, it helps them develop their game. If any of them puts it together and is able to, to be a, you know, a competent passer, I mean, they can light their conferences on fire with that because um, they're already feared because of their legs, um, but they can be a true nightmare with, with uh, you know, even just competent passing. One last point on the Central Michigan quarterback situation. Um, you said earlier about them losing Lou Nichols, and I think I feel like you know that that the running attack is going to be led by a quarterback there this year. So I think whoever the starting quarterback is will be the leading rusher for Central Michigan. I yeah, that's interesting too. I know they've got they've got Miles Bailey and uh, somebody else uh, who who oh stepped gosh. in for Nichols last year. <laughs> yeah, but uh, um, I can't think of his name either. And it, yeah. it's not, and it's not. To my opinion, it's not Bailey. That's probably the, the starter. It's this. It's the other guy. And I can't. Oh man, yeah. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Well, Central Michigan did something weird too, and they they had like three or four primary scrimmages. They had scrimmages each week that they had spring practice, so they didn't have a true spring game. Um, but in both of those, I mean the the. Um, Bailey and and again I, I can't think of the the replacement running back that yeah I'm trying Nichols. to look it up right now <laughs> yeah but both of those guys had huge scrimmages at least at least one for each of them they had over a hundred yards and Marion multiple touchdowns Marion Lukes there we go yeah, that's the um, one. so I mean it's interesting that to me suggests that the the defense that they're going up against in Central Michigan's defense might be just really awful this year which is just wheels up even more for Bert Emanuel or, or Jace Bauer, whoever gets that job. Yep, absolutely. All right, uh, next is Hawaii quarterback uh, Braden Shager. Now, he is someone that I was I was super high on the Hawaii offense last year. Yeah. Um, and I was at least a year early, maybe two years early on that. But uh, I, I've kind of soured a little bit. Just because I, I, you know, because I was so invested in the Hawaii offense last year that I watched their first couple of games, and that offensive line is brutal. so bad. <laughs> oh my! I, I mean, it's probably one of the worst offensive lines in all of FBS, and it's yep. not any better this year. And so that's probably that. That's kind of really tempered my expectations um, for that offense. Yeah. I, I get that. I, I too had, you know, more Shager than I wanted last year. And he's probably I think I owned him in every league I was in. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, the arrival of Timmy Chang as, as the coach, um, was just such a boom for that Hawaii program because Todd Graham was just a culture ruiner. He, he was just miserable oh, yeah. with what he brought, um, uh, to that program. And it, it's no surprise that they had such an exodus of, of talent and and depth um, on that team. So seeing Timmy Chang came, come in last year, I, I knew that there was a, a likelihood, you know, very similar, like I, like I mentioned earlier, to Colorado State's demise last year. Um, but I anticipated Hawaii's demise. I didn't necessarily anticipate 
Colorado State having such a hard time. But but Hawaii, you know, it's they've always had a little bit of a gimmick to their offense, and they've always had a little bit of a gimmick to to scheming that pass. Um, and last year, you know, Kenny Chang tried to implement the run and shoot um, when he first got there. I know a lot of people are, are questioning, you know, why didn't Timmy Chang try and, and do the run and shoot last year? Like that's, that's their bread and butter. That's what Hawaii has been known for in so many years. That's what Timmy Chang himself ran when he was there. Yep. Um, he tried to implement that, but I, I think it was just depth concerns and the fact that they didn't have the personnel to truly excel with that run and shoot offense like he wanted. And so they ended up rolling out what was kind of a hybrid RPO uh, run and shoot kind of blend. Um, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't good, <laughs> you know, but um, giving that full commitment to the new run and shoot offense and giving Shager, a, you know, a full year, I'm pretty sure he's locked in as a starter there. I think yeah, I, I feel confident saying that for sure. Yeah. I know that they have, you know, four or five guys there that, are in the room and that get mentioned as, as having reps this time of year. But um, I think Tristan Gebbia or Jebbia from Oregon state transferred in. He's the only guy that I think has maybe a little bit of, uh, you know, experience with a bigger program that, that might push Shager a little bit, but Shager is young enough that I think the, the program wants to build around him and they want to uh, give him a, a fair shake uh, at, at implementing this new scheme. So um, he's a guy who, who, you have the ability to, um, again, take later in your drafts. I don't yep. think he's going particularly high. A lot of people, you know, if they were on him last year, they're not on him this year. Um, so kind of that post-hype sleeper uh, that you've got. Um, but, I mean, just with the nature of this program and with the expectation that they're going to be pass-heavy and in, in, in implementing that run-and-shoot offense, he's worth a stab late in, late in leagues, uh, league drafts um, to be able to take a shot on him stash him on your bench. If he, if he blows up, he blows up. Um, and you should know, you know, you should know a little bit earlier in the year uh, with Hawaii, they get that extra game. I believe they're playing week zero. Um, so I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but you'll at least get a, a little look at him a little yeah, earlier. Early which is always, a, always a plus. Um, but you know, I've, I, I've seen much flimsier plays work out than Braden Shaker. Yeah, I mean, I think at cost, I will say this. So uh, I've done three auctions so far, and two of them, no one, no one bid on Shager. Now, last year I was getting him for like a dollar, um, <laughs> which great value, right? Or you know, yeah. getting getting him in the you know the twentieth round or whatever, great value. But the the one auction that he did go in to me, he, he went a little high. It was I want to say in like the sixty seventy dollar range. And so obviously that person really, really believes. Um, yeah. And that, that, that's probably a little bit too rich for me. But I think in general, like you said, you're getting them really, really cheap, whether it's through an auction or, or yeah. a draft. And he's, and, 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 and again, like you're, you're going to know really soon whether he's going to do much, you know? Yeah. And so, like you said, you get that, you get that week zero preview. And, um, you know, if that offensive line looks terrible once again, then you know, mm -hmm. hey, He's someone I'm going to be able to drop and move on. So, yeah. um, definitely at cost, he, he's he's another guy at cost. I think that can, you know, help. You know, especially you know if you if you draft him like let's say Caleb Williams, right, and you, yeah. or Drake May or, or someone like that, and you're able to, you know, and, and you wait on quarterback and you have some other safe options, but then Shaker hits, right? You, yeah. you have two 
be really great uh, fantasy options for for CFF. and especially especially in uh, you know in CFF Dynasty as opposed to C two C, you could go and you could sell Caleb because you know he's got the the name recognition. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know that he's not playing Championship Weekend. So yep. I mean, if you if you've got Caleb on your team or you've got one of these established guys um, taking shots and and these cheap you know cheap options to kind of bolster the bottom of your quarterback room. Um, really provides a great opportunity to flip and get value and, and potentially carry you to a championship. So, Absolutely. All right, so the last quarterback, someone uh, near and dear to Jared's heart, I guess, uh, he wanted us to make sure we talked about him, was Mitch Griffiths. Um, and to me, Mitch Griffiths is one of those safe options that, uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's the clear, you know, starting quarterback for Wake Forest. And Wake Forest has been a fantasy-friendly quarterback system for a number of years now. And I – I see no reason why Griffiths can't do that. I mean, he started one game last year against VMI, the first game of the year, when Hartman was out. And, you know, most of his stats came from that game. I think he was probably a little over 300 yards or close to 300 yards, and three of those five touchdowns came in that game. Um, Obviously, it's an FCS opponent, and, you know, so you take that for what it is. But I, I I do think he can, you know, put up, you know, QB2, three numbers for you. Um, for your CFF team. Yeah, I'm. I, I don't know how I feel about Wake Forest this year. Um, and Griffiths is a big part of that that mental math and that uh, that calculation. Um, you know, we we have seen them be a strong fantasy option, even going back with uh, Jamie Newman um, before Hartman. Um, I'm, but you know, just something about that scheme um and you know the slow mesh uh that Clawson rolls out i'm not sure how much of that is on the quarterback and how much of that is scheme dependent um you know obviously with sam hartman leaving and uh going to notre dame i think we'll find out very quickly how much of that has been hartman and how much of that is, is Clawson's scheme Jamie Newman, I believe he dealt with some injury before when he transferred to Georgia, so we, he didn't necessarily get a fair shake at that uh, starting job. Um, I'm sure I'm sure Jared would be able to give a little bit more context <laughs> on the, the Jamie Newman uh, all-time Georgia great um, quarterback there, but uh, you know, so I'm I'm wishy-washy on Mitch Griffiths, which means you know I'm not going to get a whole lot of him. Um, I don't have a strong take, so I'm not going to go out there and get him early. Um, but that whole offense is kind of shifting and changing. Um, you know, Justice Ellison is a guy who I'm actually on quite a bit um, at uh, at running back. Um, Christian Turner left, I believe he went to Indiana, um, and you know that that running back room is very young outside of Ellison. So, um, I, yeah, I take it or leave it with Mitch Griffiths. I I'm not. I'm not his biggest fan, but it wouldn't shock me if, like you said, he was a, a QB2, QB3 uh, flex play. Yeah, he's he just feels like a very safe option to me. Um, yeah. He, I don't know that his ceiling is super high, um, but he's going late, late enough in drafts where I think, you know, you could take a shot on him. Um, I'm probably in the same boat as you, Ethan, where I'm not because I'm probably taking a shot on like a Bert Emanuel Jr., or, yep. you know, someone like that that has just and kind he's of he's going a, after Griffiths too. Right. So like, like someone like that that has more, more yeah. you know, unbelievable kind of ceiling, you know, higher ceiling. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what I would 
generally tend to do in a draft. Um, but yeah, if, if Griffiths goes late, late enough, you know, I'm, I, I might get him as my quarterback four, right. That, that, that'd be a good spot. And yeah. he's someone that I think has the potential to maybe be your QB too. Yeah. And I, I get why Jared likes him. I, he's talked him up on, on previous episodes here, but um, he's, he's safe and he's somebody who, you know, you'll get the production out of. I don't think Wake Forest is going to be, you know, boat racing anybody where they'll have to rely on the run too heavily. Um, so he's he's good volume and and, and a consistent consistent option. Um, when you mentioned Justice Ellison, that reminded me there was something I wanted to mention uh, when we talked about Shager. Um, and so as we kind of transition now to the running backs, um, another running back that, that's not on our list, but I think that deserves mention is Tylen Hines yeah. from Hawaii. Um, he definitely, I know for a fact he meets these criteria. Yeah. Um, and um, he's definitely someone that I've been targeting in my drafts because um, you're getting him free. Yeah. And um, I think he can, I think he's, he's I think he's going to produce in the running game as well as in the passing game. So, yeah. Especially if that offensive line is risky, you know, yeah. quick passes, screens, and, and draws. In a PPR league, he's definitely should definitely be a target for sure. So moving on to the running backs, probably the, the, the biggest name we have here on our, our list today, and that's Jaquindon Jackson, who ironically is a former quarterback. Exactly. Great transition <laughs> here. Yeah. <laughs> um, I believe he started at Texas and then uh, transferred to Utah, and then Utah kind of um, transferred or transitioned him to running back. So what, what do you think about Jaquindon? He is like – quintessential Utah Ute running back in my head. You know, I think, uh, you know, the staff is bonkers about him because of his toughness and his grit. And he's just the guy, you know, I think coach Witt is just loves, loves your Quinton Jackson. Um, we had all that weirdness around Tavion Thomas last year. And it, it kind of made this whole Utah backfield extra muddy, extra cloudy. Um, you know, Jalen Glover is still there. Uh, Chris Curry. Yeah, Chris Curry. So there's there are other options for Jackson. And, you know, I think that they've been hesitant to give him the full workload. Um, and I think part of that is coming over from quarterback, allowing him time to, you know, get the proper muscle on and add the right weight to be able to, to be a three down back. Um but I would not be surprised at all if they lean on him and they um, they really start to ride him uh, a lot heavier this year. Uh, last year, he primarily made his living in second halves of games. He was the bruiser that came in that was able to capitalize on, on tired defenses. Um, and, and it worked for Utah. I mean, they they went to the Rose Bowl. They had, had a great season, won the Pac-12. Um, and I think, especially if there's any hesitation um, with, um, I'm blanking on the quarterback who's who's injured for whatever reason. Cam Rising. Yeah, Cam Rising. Um, if there's any hesitation with his health and he, you know, isn't healthy to start the season, um, I think that the ground game and Jaquinta Jackson is going to eat. Um, so I'm I'm bullish on Jackson. I think he's a great pickup. Um, and he's a guy I actually uh, have a, a draft that's going right now that, that just kicked up and was hoping that he'd make his way back to uh, the 11th pick in the first round because uh, I'm, I'm running back needy in that league, and he was taken off the board at number two. So, oh, wow. he, uh, yeah, he is, is definitely a hot commodity right now. 
I didn't anticipate him to be quite as hot as that, but he's he's definitely a guy who um, is a great option early because you know Utah has a tendency of running the ball, and he fits the bill as the next man up. I think my concern or hesitation with him is he's being drafted as if he is like yeah. going to be the man, right? And yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. That's as much of a foregone conclusion as most people think. Do that's I fair. think? Do I think he's going to lead the, you know, the the backfield? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, he's going to get the goal line carries. Absolutely. But is yeah. he going to get you know the the 20, 25 carries a game? I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, you know, Micah I, Bernard's still there. Like you said, Jalen Gover, Chris Curry. Yeah. Um, they have uh, Michael Mitchell, freshman, who um, some people like as well. And so, I that's my concern with him is that you know he's kind of a fifteen carry, sixty yards and a touchdown guy. Um, that's totally fair. That's that's which is kind mean, of what he was last year, right? Exactly, exactly. And that I mean that's his his mo uh, up until this point. But you know there is a little bit of projection that I think you know you just have to do and. Yeah, when I doing mean, if you that, want, yeah, right? Because yeah. that's where he's going. Exactly, and so you know, projecting that the a little bit of an increase in carries, even if it is still a committee, and he's splitting carries and mainly a second half guy. Um, if you're gonna go after a guy that doesn't have that role completely locked down, you're at least getting a guy who should have around half of the workload plus the goal line carries, and so I think that that is is understandable to to see why he's he's loved by so many i know felix uh is is big on him even as a uh as a pro prospect i believe i i don't want to put words in anybody's mouth i don't i'm a little bit i'm a little bit iffy on that too right um i just don't know i mean i granted he's you know he's kind of new at the running back position so maybe he'll learn and just i his pad level seems really really high when he's running and yeah um maybe that was his work. big knock i, I feel like come coming yeah. and, and and transitioning as a, a running back he runs like a quarterback right exactly um, exactly that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what he was as a quarterback um yeah yeah i i and, and drafts I always find myself where there are players that i think have just as much upside as him but are safer and totally. so i end up taking those players over jackson um yeah but like you said, he's definitely he's definitely a hot commodity right now, and I don't I don't I don't see that slowing down. So if you want him, you're gonna have to go after him early, for sure. All right, our next uh, running back, Ashad uh, Shady Clayton from Tulane, taking over Shady for Ty J Spears. Um, he's someone that you know he transferred from Colorado. I guess he transferred last year. Yeah. Um, uh, he was either a four star or a five star recruit, right? He he was pretty highly thought of. Pretty sure recruit. he was a he was a four star, but yeah, he's he he has that pedigree. And so I I, I feel like people were excited about him last year, right? Um, yep. And uh, you know Spears just kind of kind of took over that backfield, but he certainly with Spears gone, uh, Cameron Carroll gone, um, it's definitely his time to shine. And and uh, and. Yeah. He's someone that I think you're you're getting super late in drafts. Yeah. Um, with with Tulane, I was surprised last year how much Tajay Spears was able to dominate that backfield. It is um, usually a committee. Yeah, Willie Fritz just notorious for for distributing those carries to anybody who shows shows some promise. And um, 
maybe that speaks to Tajay Spears' talent level um, just a little more than I I anticipated. Um, but I I fully anticipated more of a split, and so I I was probably a year early on Clayton. Um, and there's even some question marks around Clayton's uh, command of the backfield this year. I mean, they've got um, Celestine and they've got a true freshman, Arnold Barnes, who has really been um, a buzz in spring camp um, as guys that have really started making their name known. Um, but I think that Clayton has a few things going for him. I think he is likely the most talented running back on the roster right now. Um, and the fact that he transferred in as a, you know, a, a hot commodity as a, a very, um, highly recruited running back. Um, you know, I think that that still does hold some weight, especially when you're looking at these, these G5 programs that get a high profile recruit like that in the transfer portal. I think there's a little bit more onus on them to really give them a fair shake and, and give them the opportunity to have that job because the next time there's a high profile player in the portal and they are trying to recruit them. They, I mean, it's, it's very easy for it to be a precedent situation where they say, well, you know, I shot Clayton transferred here a few years ago and he, he didn't get the job and he wasn't ever really given the ability to, to do that. And, you know, I don't know how much pl- uh, players think about that. You know, sometimes, I see these transfer announcements and I'm like, did you even think anything about that? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so there, I mean, there's some question there, but um, you know, Clayton's profile coming out of high school and you know, the, the talent level there, I'm, I'm willing to definitely commit to a shot Clayton as a, um, you know, a mid round running back target um, yep. in these supplemental drafts. I think he, is exactly the kind of name that you should be looking for to bolster your rooms late in drafts. If he's there late in drafts, you know, middle, uh, mid rounds, I'd think, you know, after round six or seven in a supplemental, uh, he's somebody who I'm starting to really, really get a, a hot trigger on. I, I really would, would be interested in that. Um, just because, you know, Tulane's going to be running the ball. You know that they have that Willie Fritz system that's so lucrative for running backs that, um, I would have no hesitation there. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't, I don't think anyone should be expecting him to put up Ty J Spear numbers from For last sure. season. Yeah, but I think you know you should expect like a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. Like that. That's I think that's that's kind of where I see him. Um yeah. and 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 you're able like so you're able to get him pretty late in drafts, and so he's definitely someone that you should be targeting. Uh, for your CFF teams, or even like even if you play C to C too, right? Like he's uh, for sure he's someone that uh, you should be targeting as well. Yeah, and Michael Pratt should keep that offense pretty on schedule and and not in a situation where they're playing from behind a whole bunch. Yep. All right, our uh, our last running back for today is Kyrie Robinson from San Jose State. Um. Not someone I'm personally high on, um, yeah. but uh, you know, with with the loss of Elijah Cooks, and we're going to talk about another receiver here in just a second. Uh, you know, you, I can definitely see him. You know, kind of doing what he did last year, which was very quiet, right? 800 yards, but the double digit touchdowns, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know that he really has much competition. You know, yeah, no, not at in, all. In that <laughs> room, so he's someone that you're getting 
it's probably super, super late and can be a spot starter. And if he ends up, you yeah. know, doing doing more than that, you know, you got him so late, you know, it's kind of, you know, a no brainer. Yeah. So I know, and just to tease this for, for everybody else, I know we've got another uh, San Jose State guy that we're going to talk about here soon. Um, but I I really like the San Jose State offense. Um, I, for anybody not familiar uh, or, or didn't uh, doesn't follow me on Twitter or didn't hear what I talked about last year, but my Malik Hornsby last year was Chevin Cordero. Um, I, I love him as a CFF player. Um, and I think that he leads this offense and makes this offense. I mean, it's, it's game changing the way that his transfer and the transfer of, um, you know, the, the wide receivers that they brought in from Nevada, uh, the, how they helped last year. Um, that being said, I watched a lot of San Jose state last year. Um, and Kyrie Robinson was somebody who, uh, always seemed to make more out of the opportunity than he should have been able to. Um, this offensive line really struggled out of the gate last year early. Um, and it was an uphill battle for them to be able to, uh, to move the, move the football. I uh, made a prediction last year that I thought Chevron Cordero had quarterback three overall upside um, because of the way that this offense moves the ball and just their proclivity. Um, Kyrie Robinson had a bigger role last year than I would have been able to, to anticipate. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I really like him. Uh, something that he's got going for him this year, he has a hundred percent returning offensive line production coming back. Um, so that entire offensive line comes back and there is a good opportunity and a good chance that they're going to be able to run the ball a lot better than they were last year. Um, I think this entire offense is going to look a little bit different with the departure of Elijah Cooks with the departure of, uh, you know, Braddock and um, Isaiah Hamilton. Uh, they are going to be looking for production. And, you know, I'm particularly interested in Kyrie Robinson out of the backfield as a pass catcher as well. 26 receptions last year for 144 yards. You know, that doesn't sound like game changing numbers, but when you add that to a 10 touchdown season, you're starting to get into some very interesting water as a CFF running back. Especially at the cost you're getting him at, right? I mean, for sure. I mean, just the 10 touchdowns, that's just almost a touchdown a game. So that's, that's six points yeah. right there every single game, plus, you know, the yardage. And, and if you're in a PPR league too, right? So exactly. He, 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 I mean, I don't, I don't have it right in front of me, but my guess is he had to average double digits last year. Yeah. Um, and for as late as you're getting him, that's, you know, even if you're just using him as a spot starter, right? There, there's value in that given yeah. the cost, his cost. Yeah, for sure. All right. So staying with the uh, San Jose State theme, uh, moving on to wide receiver Justin Lockhart. He's someone that I'm personally high on. Um, yeah. Just because, like, like we mentioned earlier, Elijah Cook's gone. And so yep. Lockhart is, in my opinion, unquestionably – He's your wide receiver one for Cordero. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I expect him to get close to a thousand yards and six, seven touchdowns. Um, and he, he seems to be forgot about, forgotten about. And yeah. in most leagues, um, he's going, in my opinion, he's going criminally low. Um, I, I don't, I just don't know why. I just think people have forgot about him. Yeah. I a hundred percent think it, he's just been a forgotten man. 
Um, you know, he put up good numbers uh, in Nevada um, in that uh, Jay Norvell system um, with, uh, oh gosh, who was, who was the quarterback? You got oh uh, gosh. Carson uh, Strong. Yeah. Carson Strong. <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, he, he had CFF relevance um, back then, even if it was just on a, you know, a daily fantasy uh, radar. Um, but he's, he, he's able to be the guy in that offense. I don't have any doubts. Um, Chevin Cordero, he's going to be throwing the ball. He's going to be throwing the ball a lot. I'd assume um, just with the, um, the system that San Jose state likes to run, they like to throw the ball. Uh, so Justin Lockhart seems like a, you know, plug and play kind of guy um, who's probably pretty late. I would expect him to go in the second half of most supplemental drafts and a guy who honestly, you know, if I was in a startup, I think he should be owned already. Like he shouldn't be be yeah. slipping through the cracks um, at this point. Um, but he's he's a high ceiling player and and likely also has that low floor or that high floor as well. Yeah. Um, yep. to, to lock in. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, experience or competition there for, for catches for him. And so, yeah, it, it's just like he's he's definitely criminally low, like I said as far as terms of where he's being drafted at in leagues, people, yeah. the forgotten man, it's the best way to describe him. Yeah. Um, and I think you could say this for this next guy too. For um, sure. Caleb Hood. I think, I think people are so focused on Derwin Burgess that they forget about Caleb Hood, Caleb Hood who had, you know, almost a thousand yard season last year in an offense yeah. that passed, passed and passed some more. It was a wake-up call to me when I checked in and did some digging on Caleb Hood before this show because if you would have told me that he received 26 more targets than Derwin Burgess did last year, I would have laughed and said, no, he didn't. Now, Burgess missed – was it the last – I don't know. He, he got he missed injured. Some time. He did. So he, missed, he missed a couple games. But yeah. He did for sure. Um, but the, the touchdown equity is what really made the difference. Burgess had seven touchdowns, Hood there with three. Um, I think that there's definitely a lot more room for variance to take Hood into consideration here. Um, I'm also curious as well with Davis Breen coming in and with Tulsa's kind of, you know, him, him being at Tulsa previously and the way that Tulsa threw the ball last year, um, they were much more of kind of a check down middle of the um, middle of the field passing attack, um, at least from what I remember. Um, and a lot less downfield. And I wonder if that plays into Caleb Hood's strengths just a little bit more. You know, I don't know what, what tendencies Bryn will be carrying over playing in a Caleb's new more like the possession guy. Exactly. Um, and he's, he's, he's a guy who I think would definitely line up as more of a security blanket and more of a guy who, who you can make the easier throws to as opposed to um, necessarily trying to stretch anything. So it's, it's, Something to consider, but um, yeah, Caleb Hood, I think, is criminally underrated, and I've been guilty of it up until this day. So, <laughs> yeah, it looks, I'm just looking, it looks like I'm at Burgess. Maybe he missed like the last game or so. So he didn't miss a ton. Yeah. Because um, it looks like the last game he had stats and was November 10th. So they okay. probably had, they probably had one game after that at least. Yeah, um, I don't remember if they were in a bowl game or not. Um, and and the other thing too um, is Jeremy Singleton's gone, right? So yep. 
Um, and I think Jeremy Singleton was another guy, kind of like a possession type guy. Um, yeah. So Hood, Hood, Hood can, you know, help fill fill some of that void. Now they did bring in um, Anthony Queeley from yep. Syracuse. I think um, he definitely lines up more as that Singleton replacement, just from a size standpoint. Yeah. You know, he's a little bit bigger and 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 can play in a similar you know jump ball fashion for uh, what Singleton provided, but. Definitely worth noting that they still have a strong a strong trio there. Yes, they do. They do, and, and even like they have uh, some some decent options at tight end too. Um, yeah. I know that uh, Moxley likes uh, JJ McAfee, um, yeah. but they also brought in uh, Keaton Upshaw from Kentucky, who uh, yeah, who, yeah. Looked, who looked good in the spring game as well. So um, there's definitely no shortage of passing options here. But yeah. fortunately, you know, for us. For us CFF folks, they pass the ball a lot, so they, um, I, absolutely. I think, I think I think there's plenty to go around, and like we said, Caleb Hood is someone that, that gets overlooked or forgotten because yeah. people are so on Duran Burgess, um, and so Hoods. If you miss out on miss out on Burgess, Hoods Hood is a great option uh, to yeah. get a piece of that offense, and you're getting him. You know, I would I would guesstimate like half the cost, right? Yeah, Burgess sure. probably going. You know much so much earlier than hood so yeah all right next uh the duke offense not someone that we not 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 a team that's often thought about for cff purposes but in my opinion they have three options um and calhoun's one of them that um i would consider in in my cff leagues now we didn't talk about riley leonard my guess is he was picked up last year in most leagues yeah um but if he isn't. He's apt. He is absolutely someone that you should be targeting. Um, with the third, the third option being Jordan Moore, who's a uh, convert converted quarterback playing receiver. Um, and actually, if, I, if you ask me to pick more Calhoun, I'm probably going to pick more. Um, yeah. Um, but both of those guys should be available in your leagues, and I, I don't think you can go wrong with either option. I feel like. Moore probably has much more higher ceiling than Calhoun. Um, I feel like, but I do feel Calhoun's probably the safer pick too. Yeah, I. So I watched this the the Duke spring game, and I first of all was shocked that Calhoun is still around. I would have bet money that he had left or graduated and was done with. But um, him coming back, I think that we are not high enough on these duke options oh absolutely not like you're getting them they're like they're going undrafted you're getting them for free yeah and so i mean riley leonard i don't think has gotten enough credit for the development as a passer that he has has really started i mean he looked very good and sharp in that spring game um they didn't split as a first team second team um so it was uh teams were mixed evenly with first string and second string um, but Calhoun and Samir Hagens uh, both were on the side with uh, Riley Leonard. Um, and both of those guys looked like competent targets that I would keep an eye on and, and be interested in as, um, you know, CFF options for, uh, for my offense. Jordan Moore um, played on the other side, and he was the security blanket through and through. Um, for the backup quarterbacks who also just spoiler alert if you're playing in dynasty just guys to keep an eye on um henry belin and grayson loftus both were very competent as backup quarterbacks in that that spring game so 
Um, surprising just because I think spring games in general, we don't see great passing performances. Well, um, sometimes they tend to be a little vanilla. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that speaks to the talent that this Duke team is bringing back on offense at the skill positions. And, it, you know, I, I also would say that there's a tendency to think, you know, if the offense is popping off in the spring game, then maybe this defense is really bad. Um, but they've got a defensive-minded head coach heading into his second year as head coach, where I'd assume that we'd see growth on the defensive side, even if they lose some some big production. So I don't necessarily have those same fears that this was a, a, a charade from um, from Duke. So um, all of that to say, Jalen Calhoun, uh, I think it's pretty pretty safe that he's going to be the the higher target share guy um, just because of his, his uh, veteran leadership and his experience within this offense. Um, but, you know, Hagens and Moore are both guys that I, I, I'm really interested in. And, you know, if you can snag one or two of those guys at the end of your supplemental draft, I think you're going to look smart uh, come, come fall. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I agree with you. Like I said earlier, I think Calhoun is kind of the, the safer option of all of them. Um, I, I just really like Moore's upside. Um, yeah. You know, he's new to the position. He yeah. um, he had some phenomenal games last year. And yeah. I think, you know, now he has, he has all offseason. You know, because the beginning of last year, he was in the quarterback battle, right? And, and yep. with, 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 with Riley Leonard. So he wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he was practicing wide receiver. Yeah. Um, and it's always, and yeah. He's, Go ahead. He's I'm got, sorry. He's had a full off season, right? Where he's able yeah. to, where he's able to, uh, you know, focus on wide receiver, and so I, I, I'm really excited about his potential. It's always worth noting to me when guys change position on offense and are still starters, because to me that screams that the coaching staff is such a high and 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 strong believer in their athleticism that they want to find ways to get them the ball. Um, so that's I completely understand the love there. And and you know it always entice you know it's always enticing to me when a quarterback converts to receiver right yeah um, we've seen that happen time and time again in in college and even in the NFL yeah um, and it's because those you know those guys have such an in depth knowledge of the offense yeah and, and and how a quarterback thinks right that kind of yeah. has it's kind of like a cheat code almost um, yeah. So that, that, that always excites me as well. The only thing that could possibly be better is if their quarterback switched to wide receiver and then transferred to Texas State and become a quarterback again. I mean, <laughs> right. just so much knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm failing miserably about <laughs> and the, uh, the, the horns we love, but that's all right. That is okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up is DT Sheffield, a, a wide receiver for Washington State. Washington State, who had a um, who had a great spring by all accounts. The for sure. I, I'll say my concern with him is that the hype has gotten gotten um, out in front of itself, and yeah. I feel like he is he is no longer a value anymore. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm probably out because of the cost. Um, you know, I know, I know people talk about the spring game and, you know, he had, I think three catches, like 112 yards and two touchdowns. <laughs> is that right? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I might've had four, but yeah, very small. Yeah. And, and so yeah. it just, I just feel like, um, you know, it almost like if you read practice reports from Washington state, it was almost like, 
you know, two or three receivers were mentioned every every day. Yeah. Um, now, was he was he consistent? Absolutely. But I feel like others were mentioned quite a bit as well. And just I just I don't know that he is going to get the volume that yeah. people are expecting, given where they are drafting him right now. He yeah. at one point he was absolutely a value and someone that you should smash. Yeah. But now I think it's kind of flipped the other way, where where people are taking him much higher than than yeah. he, than he should go. And I think I think a lot of that is our our desire to draft wide receivers in that that Ben Arbuckle uh, Zach Kitley offense. Um, so we we see Arbuckle come over from Western Kentucky and and now is there at, at Washington State. Um, and I I also get why we're looking at DT Sheffield as the guy in that room. Because if, if you have four or five guys in a wide receiver room that all feasibly, like there's there's no in indicator really tipping the hand of which one is going to be a volume hog, if any of them are. Right. That being said, targeting Sheffield is targeting the most athletic and the shiftiest and the most explosive guy in the room. Absolutely. Yep. So he's the guy who, in all accounts, likely has the best opportunity, even if he doesn't get the most volume he's going to make the most of whatever opportunity he's going to do more with less. Exactly. So I, I, I get why Sheffield's been that guy, but you've hit the nail exactly on the head on where I stand with this wide receiver room. I think there's just so much better value outside of Sheffield. Um, Josh Kelly from Fresno state is a guy that I've really enjoyed watching. Um, he didn't have a great year last year uh, as Fresno state brought in um Oh, they brought in uh, Remigio, uh, Nick Remigio Nikio. from Cal. Nico, Nico yeah, Nick, Remigio. <laughs> yeah, they brought him in um, to play with Jalen Cropper, Marino, Marino Cropper. Um, and so Josh Kelly kind of took a backseat um, to those guys. Uh, the year before last, though, he was, um, he was a guy that was found pretty frequently in that Fresno State offense, and that Fresno State offense had a lot of guys to spread the ball around. Um, his presence on Washington state, he also had a great spring game performance as well. And I think that if you're looking at how Washington state is going to be spreading the ball, I think they're going to be using that four wide and you're going to see, um, you're going to see Kelly, uh, a little bit more as a presence on the outside. I think all of the wide receivers will play all of the spaces. Um, I think that's a flexibility thing that all of them possess that, that they're able to play in different positions. Sheffield likely is going to be in the slot the most though. Um, and he's, he's just explosive. He's a, a great guy uh, to target with that. Kyle Williams, who is coming over from UNLV um, is, uh, seems like a, a possession guy and a security blanket on the outside. Um, and they also had, I, his name's escaping me at the moment, but they, it's, they, it's Lincoln Victor, I think, is who you're thinking of. Yes, Lincoln that's Victor. The, that's the guy who I think will be the safety valve kind of safety blanket from an inside receiver standpoint. From an inside receiver standpoint, I, I, I agree there. I think that he's going to be, if I had to say, I'd say Kelly and uh, Williams on the outside and Sheffield and Victor playing yep. some sort of an H-back uh, inside slot kind of role um, and getting – getting moved around quite a bit. 
So v- Victor to me, I think is the guy that's going to get like six catches, 40 yards a game. <laughs> yeah. I would not be surprised if he leads the team in targets. Yes. His, that's, a, that, that's my expectation. That that's his leadership, happen. his leadership and his experience there is something that I think will transfer over. He's also the only guy who's played any football with Cam Ward before this year too. So um, they've also, I mean, they've got such a deep receiver room. Sion Nunnally. Uh, or Orion Nunnally. Peters is another one. Man, they have some dudes at wide receiver. Um, yep. And I think that they are really going to blossom. Um, I am, <laughs> I know I have like 12 quarterbacks who I love, but Cam Ward is another guy, you know, uh, his, his bust of last year be damned. I am, I'm riding his, his bandwagon again this year. I think cool. he is going to really show more growth and, any way that I can get exposure to this Washington State offense, I'm I'm in on, and the cheaper the better. Yeah, I think uh, like like you said, I think um, people have overcorrected with Cam Ward. I think people yeah. have done the same thing with Quinn Ewers, where yeah. people had probably unrealistic expectations for both last year. They didn't live up to those expectations, and now they kind of flipped the other way. Um, yeah. But that's great for CFF purposes, I think, in terms of value, right? Because you're, you're able to get guys like that um, much cheaper, and, um, and 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 when they hit, you know, you, you didn't you didn't spend you know that high draft capital on them. Yeah. The uh, we, you know, just we've talked about six receivers now for Washington State, and yeah. so that, that's that's the other concern for me with Sheffield too, um, yeah. is just that they're, you know, and 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 we talked about six, but all six, I feel like have gotten praise in, in the spring. Um, yeah. And so it's just kind of hard to, I don't know, it's kind of, for me, it's kind of hard to spend the draft capital required to get Sheffield when, you know, there's, there could be a, a big rotation in the, in the sure. wide receiver room. Yeah. All right. Next, uh, Devin Vosen from uh, South Alabama. Um, expected to be the next man up. Um taking over for uh, Jalen Wayne. Um, his running mate, uh, Colin Lacey, is, is another person that I think gets overlooked as well. Um, yeah. I, I, personally, if I'm going to pick one, I'm going to pick Vosen. Um, he kind of really showed out in, in the, in the, in, towards the end of last year. Um, I don't know if it was the bowl game or, or, the, um, or the last uh, game of the regular season, man, but he had like a crazy stat line, right? Like – yeah. I don't know, like 18 targets, 11 catches, something yeah. like that. Um, I'll let you talk. I'm going to try and look it up. Yeah. Um, you know, I I was higher on Vossin, uh, early uh, earlier in the offseason than I am now. Um, I've done a little bit more digging on South Alabama, and I'm just not fully convinced that he's going to be far and away the best option there. Um I posed the question to the, the, the C2C Slack the other day um, about why he was such high, he was so much higher in, in everybody's rankings than um, any other South Alabama target. Uh, you know, Colin Lacey, you mentioned, they also get Javon Ivory from Memphis. Yeah, I was going to say there was um, a transfer, and I couldn't remember who it was. Yeah, Ivory's there. Um, they've got Lincoln Sefchik at tight end. Um, and Wasson... You know, I don't the, – the main answer that I got was that they just expect Wasson to take much more of a step as a, and they think he's a better talent and that the talent's going to rise to the top. Um, I was told, you know, in the same way that 
Jalen Tolbert uh, was there in the same way that Jalen Wayne um, excelled at South Alabama, that he's expected to be that next guy up. So I don't know if I'm fully bought in with that hype, um, especially considering the fact that they're a run-first offense anyway. Um, I, I'm, I'm cautious uh, with, with any of my South Alabama receivers right now and would likely be taking a guy like Colin Lacey or Javon Ivory um, later in the draft with the upside that the, it's a, a pretty um, flat distribution of targets like it was uh, last year. So the, it, it was the bowl game, and he scored 32 fantasy points. But he had 14 targets, um, 11 catches, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Yeah, um, yeah I think the, the drafts I've done so far, he, he's gone very, very cheap. So um, at, at price, he's someone I, I'd, I'm definitely comfortable taking. Um, I think I, I would prefer him over over Lacey and Ivory. Um but if the hype kind of gets out of control like it did with Sheffield, um, I can definitely see, you know, transitioning to uh, Lacey or Ivory. Um, the other thing um, that some people seem to be fixated on, and I don't know the history behind this, that maybe maybe you do, Ethan, but I guess he switched numbers number five. So my guess is that must have been Tolbert's and Wayne's number. And so therefore, in people's mind, that has some significance that he's the man, you know? Yeah, there there are some program numbers that that are worth taking note of. Uh, you know, I I know a, a big uh, <laughs> a big tell for a lot of people is when somebody gets uh, an offensive skill player is is number zero. Uh, you know, it's all it's flames emojis from for days in the chat when when you see that. So um, five, yeah, just being a uh, historically um, a strong number for South Alabama there. Yeah, let's see how this looks. Well, it looks like Wayne was number zero last year. So, yeah, at least that's what Fantrax says. If we can trust that. Yeah, right. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Uh, next, uh, someone that, that Jared is very high on. Um, Ethan and I spoke about him a little bit last night. I'm not, I'm not nearly as high on just from the standpoint um, of the competition, but he's a recent transfer. He's you know, leaving SMU. Um, Actually, I currently still oh, at uh, you know at what? SMU, I believe. Oh my gosh, yeah. uh, my my! <laughs> I put this graphic together. You're totally and, good, and, man. And I and I totally I totally screwed up. So I must have had uh, Goffney on Dylan my Goffney. mind. I had yeah. Goffney on my mind. Oh my gosh! Um, I will say, you know, a lot of people <laughs> had had been pumping up Curly at SMU, and I have firmly been a, a Goffney uh, believer instead of Jordan Curly. So. I was pretty bummed to see to see Goffney tr- uh, transferring, but uh, yeah, even even when we were talking last night, like I was clearly talking about Goffney because I kept talking about Horton and uh, Justice Ross Simmons. Oh, just, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just oh man, oh. Anyway, you're totally good. <laughs> Curly is at SMU, and yes, I do like Curly at SMU. He's yeah. uh, he's he's by all accounts, he's the wide receiver one there. So yeah. for those watching, just ignore the Colorado State. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say there. though, I will say with 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 uh, talk of competition, I think it is worth mentioning for SMU. You know, they bring in, um, I think it's Brashawn Smith and Romello Brinson from Miami, uh, following yep. Yep. Um, following Lashley uh, to to SMU, um, and there's also a lot of buzz around Jordan Hudson. Um, 
I personally think Hudson likely has a higher ceiling than landing at SMU, but I know that he had originally committed to SMU before flipping to TCU. Um, so that they, they were in talks that they might, um, they might be a player in, in getting him. So, um, not necessarily a, an easy path for SMU and for, for Jordan Curley there. Um, but down the stretch, he did seem to be the primary benefactor when Rasheed Rice went down, um, obviously getting Preston Stone, uh, and, and, getting him adjusted down the stretch as, as Mordecai had some time off there. Um, I'm curious to see if this SMU offense is able to keep up and, and, and be as, as prolific through the air as they have been. Um, they have some really intriguing running backs too. You know, LJ Johnson, yeah. I believe is there and Kamar Wheaton's still there. Um, I think they got another transfer. Jalen um, Knighton came over. Jalen Miami, the other Miami guy. Exactly. So, um, you know, this, this SMU offense, you know, we we've come become accustomed to SMU just throwing the ball around the yard, and I think they they'll continue to to throw, um, but it might not be as pass heavy as it's been in previous years. And um, you know, Jer- Jordan Curley, uh, if he's being t- touted as the wide receiver one for SMU, and people are buying him at the price of a an SMU wide receiver one, um, it's another thing where I I'm not really sold on uh, him being as dominant as Rasheed Rice was. Yeah, like you said, there's there's a lot in addition to the Miami receivers. Um, Cavante Dixon's still there. Yep. Um, Teddy Knox, both two high profile transfers from last season. Jake Bailey's there, I and believe, Jake as well. Bailey, he was injured yes. all, all spring. And, and I know Jake Bailey was someone, you know, last year that mm-hmm. got a lot of praise. Now he was hurt, yeah, but he was someone that got a lot of praise last uh, last uh, spring and summer. Yeah. Um, and so. Like you said, there's plus the tight ends, right? You got RJ Maryland. Um, yeah, and so Nolan Matthews a, is there too, and he's he. I mean, I was I was all in on him before RJ or RJ Maryland really blew up. So, so there's there's definitely a, a lot of mouths to feed there at SMU, for and sure. and for Curly, I think it all comes down to price, right? When you're yeah. able to get him, yeah. Um, you know, if he's going super early, I'm I'd rather wait and take someone like Lockhart, who is much safer and has in my opinion, just as high, if not a higher ceiling than, than Curly, right? And you're yeah. getting him much – I feel like you're able to get him much later. Yeah. Um, you know at least Lockhart's going to be one of the three best, most talented players on on that offense outside absolutely. of quarterback and outside of the starting running back. So. <laughs> absolutely. Well, once again, please forgive the graphic that I made here. He, he <laughs> Curly did not transfer to Colorado State. That was uh, Dylan Goffey. All right, uh, so now we're down to the tight ends and our last player to, to, to discuss today, and that is yep. Colston Loveland uh, from Michigan, um, who really kind of came on towards the end of the year. Um, a lot of people have high hopes for him, uh, not only in the CFF, but in, in C2C leagues, right? Uh, Michigan is someone that, you know, that, that utilizes the tight end and that, you know, that there's not many places in uh, college football that we can get excited about tight ends. Um, for college fantasy, yeah. but but Michigan's one of those spots. The the only concern I think is that they also brought in AJ Barner, yeah. um, who a lot of people like from Indiana. Yeah. Um, but I think that I think they are different enough players that they can coexist. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the thing that I like about Colston Loveland is the ability that they have to move him around if they want to move him around. Um, 
I believe he got a few uh, carries last year as well. Um, and that he's somebody who they, they just like utilizing him in, in the red zone. Um, you know, with the talent that they have at the backfield um, and honestly, you know, how much is, is Michigan going to have to throw the ball this year? Um, I know a lot of people are projecting JJ McCarthy to improve and to be a, um, you know, have a shot at getting his name in conversation for NFL draft circles. Um, and so I think that, you know, I think Harbaugh is going to try and honor that and, and do good by him um, and give him some more, some more opportunity to throw the ball. Um, but Colson Loveland is such an athlete, um, even in just a limited uh, time that he saw last year. Um, he was electric and getting an electric uh, option at tight end. You know, those those words aren't really used in the same sentence very often, electric and tight end. So um, he's a guy that can really infuse uh, some consistency into the offense. He stretches the seam and he is um, he's he's speedy uh, for a tight end. So um, he also fits that hardball mold, though, of, uh, you know, just kind of being a little bit more gritty, uh, not. Uh, avoiding contact. Uh, so he's, he's a glorified wide receiver who just has plays with a little bit of a chip. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. He reminds me of like a big slot receiver um, yep. more so than a, than a traditional tight end. Um, yeah. and, I get and, Mike Gesicki vibes. And, and hence the reason why I think him and Barner can, you know, coexist. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, Loveland, I want to say, the CFF rankings, we probably – he might be in our consensus top ten. I'm not sure about that, but he's somewhere right around them I there. Last update, I remember seeing him towards the top ten. So, um, But, yeah, he, he's definitely someone that should be available in, in all your, your supplementals because he didn't really start, you know, making a name for himself. I feel like towards really like, you know, the, 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 you know, the playoffs, maybe the uh, – and the uh, the Big Ten championship game, right? So he's yeah. he wasn't he wasn't picked up on waivers. Um, and he's, um, yeah, he's definitely one of when I when I go into my supplemental drafts and when I've been looking around. And again, it's C to C, so I take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But you know, I think his pro potential is is there too. But um, he's one of the top three tight ends that I'm looking for in the supplemental to see if he's available beforehand. Um, he's available in almost every supplemental. Um, but I'd only put him behind a guy like, you know, RJ Maryland uh, might be available in some drafts. Yeah, I was going to say Maryland is, is one of the ones um, mm -hmm. that I've seen consistently um, along with Loveland that's available. Yeah, so I am I definitely am a believer in, in the talent there. Yep, I, I agree with you a thousand percent. And the, the only hesitation I have, and, and, you, and you kind of briefly talked about this, is that, Michigan and, and why I'm not, you know, you know, Chris K is extremely high on JJ McCarthy. And um, the only reason I'm not in that same boat is just because they simply don't need him to do that to win. Um, yeah. You know, with the exception of like the Ohio state game or, or, um, and, you know, in the playoffs or a bowl game, for instance. Um but Man, the, the, the vast... disrespect to my Nittany Lions right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it just well, and I expect that I expect them to have a great year too. But yeah. I just feel like, just speaking in generalities, that Michigan's able to use the running game to win most of their games, and so yeah. And and I just feel like that I, I 
I feel like Harbaugh is very risk adverse, right? And so if he can win the game running the ball, that's what he's going to do. I will say, though, you know, and maybe this is just recency bias with the fact that they they did this to Penn State last year, but Michigan and John Har- Harbaugh are not opposed to running up the score on that. On oh, that absolutely team. not. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree, I agree so, there, right? So I, you know, especially early season, I don't know. I think Harbaugh, and this is a little bit arguing against myself because I, I've made the, the point a, a bit earlier as well that I do believe that they're a run first team. But, you know, early in the season, I would say that Harbaugh is probably going to try and get McCarthy in rhythm and get him to midseason form um, and kind of take the reins off a little bit and let him let him cook a little bit. So um, it'll be interesting. You know, the, the development of the passing game at Michigan over the past few years, they get so much, uh, you know, crap talked about them and, and not being able to throw the ball and not having that part of their offense and that that's what separates them from a true powerhouse of a team in today's college football world but they have made such great strides at throwing the ball and and moving the ball offensively through the air um i mean it's it's really impressive what they've been able to do and you know i those words taste like vinegar coming out of my mouth so yeah yeah i (laughs) i can i can appreciate that for sure but uh that kind of wraps it up for today for for the uh, supplemental players. Um, any any last thoughts you have anything before we before we close out? Uh, no, just uh, make sure you go and and sign up for the uh, the pre order of that that C two C CFF guide that's dropping in uh, first week of July. That will be um, well worth your uh, your membership fee over there, or if you want to want to pay for that uh separately if you're not at the 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 top tier to get those free guides and uh you know if you're looking for additional uh supplemental help um the uh the devian supplemental guides uh out there as well offer some some great insight on players who are available for cff leagues dynasty leagues and uh you know c2c leagues as well so absolutely like that 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 was a great plug i was going to mention the uh the supplemental guide i think and if you're current if you are a current subscriber to campus scanton and you're not an NIL member, like upgrade the NIL. Um, it, it, is, it is definitely worth the value there. And, it, you know, you get the three guides, the C2C supplemental um, guides, you get the Debbie guide and the CFF guides, part of that membership. And in addition, you get to subscribe a one-on-one. You get to get to uh, get a one-on-one call with uh, members of C2C to kind of go over your rosters. Yep. Um, and if you're an IDP league, there's a checkbox for that check that and then i'll be i'll join your call to kind of go over the idp stuff um but yeah it the 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 nil tier is definitely where it's at um also there's an exclusive chat for the nil um in the discord um and oftentimes some tools will get released to the nil first yeah before they get released to the general masses um and i i can't emphasize what you said enough about that supplemental guide that is a <laughs> it's written for C to C leagues, but that is a must have for a CFF dynasty league. Um, for sure. It has just as much value there as the CFF guy we're producing because of all the yeah. information, the, the details about the freshman. Um, and so yeah. if you're, if you're in a uh, CFF dynasty league, you're going to want that supplemental guide as well as the CFF guide. So go ahead. That, that's that, that'd be 40 bucks. 
might as well spend another 30 and get that uh, NIL tier there. So, and, and also since Jared wasn't here to, uh, to iron out that spiel and, and give people the, uh, the, the usual dose, just another encouragement to, uh, to rate and subscribe to the podcast and, uh, and follow, uh, not only Jared, uh, but also his, uh, chasing the natty, uh, official Twitter as well over on Twitter. So. Yeah. And, and, and anyone, all, you know, all, all the folks at C2C are great. For so sure. give, give all those a follow. I believe Austin recently made a list, uh, a campus to Canton only list um, that you can follow as well that has all the uh, campus to Canton staff. So if you want to find all of our information, um, feel free to, uh, to uh, follow that list. And um, maybe you'll see me and Ethan in season again, or we'll be on CTN again, or uh, on the, uh, the bet, Bet was it bet on C bet on C to C that's bet on C to C that's right. We'll find all of your daily fantasy college football uh, programming. So great time. All right. Well, appreciate your times, folks, and uh, have a good week.